We're going to be in the book of Proverbs this morning, so please turn to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. As you turn there, I did want to just continue to ask you to pray uh, for Mary and Herbert Boyd. Uh, Herbert continues to to battle for his life, just in a lot of pain. Just pray that God would be merciful and gracious uh, to him. Uh, Also, I did want to just recognize Judy Player. It's Judy Player's birthday. Is she here? Is she still coming back from the choir? Make sure you say happy birthday to her. We can want to pray and just thank God for her life. Uh, Also, my, my mother is here. Mom, raise your hand. So please tell her how awesome her son is. Right? Moms love to hear that, <laughs> even if you don't believe it. Uh, well, let's read uh, Proverbs chapter 4. I'm going to read the entirety of the chapter. I'm going to pray, and then we will dig into God's Word. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1. Hear, O sons, a father's instructive instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, The only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Hear, my son, and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of righteousness, of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. And if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of my instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on, for they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble, for they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until the full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ears to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech. Put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forwards and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are a good and gracious God. God, we first of all thank you for the forgiveness of our sins offered in Christ, that through his shed blood uh, we have forgiveness of all our sins, our past sins, our present sins, and our future sins. God, we thank you that in the name of Jesus, we come before you as righteous. Not because we are good in, a, in, in and of ourselves, but you have made us righteous through your Son. And you have adopted us into your family as sons and daughters of God in Christ. God, we thank you for the, for the blessing of our salvation. God, I pray now for Mary and Herbert Boyd, God, we pray that you would just give them a faith to believe in 
their adoption, that they have been adopted as sons of the Most High God. God, I pray that you would just be with them, especially be with Herbert, Lord. God, remind him of the promises of your word. God, that you are the way and the truth and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through Christ. Father, we pray for for Judy. We thank you so much for her life, Lord. We thank you so much for another year to celebrate her her life. We thank you for all that she does for this church, for her joy, for her faithful service behind the scenes. God, we pray you bless her today and the year ahead. Uh, Father, we, we do thank you so much for fathers. God, I pray now for the fathers' hearts who are here in this room. God, I pray that you make them attentive, that you sharpen their minds and and focus on your word. God, I pray that they would be encouraged from your words and challenged, God, that we may both grow in our ability to to, uh, care and love and teach our children. Uh, God, we just pray for all those who are here who uh, may not have a father, who may not know their father, who may not... um, be around their father because their father has, has gone to be with you. God, we pray that you just remind us of the blessing of fathers, that today would not be a day of just depression or discouragement, but it would be a day of joy, thanking you for what you have done for us uh, in fathers, and ultimately thanking you for what you have done in becoming our father. So God, I ask now that you just hide me behind the cross, that the words I say would be honoring to you, that they would glorify the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would encourage and build up your people for the glory of your awesome name. Uh, We ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. Uh, In December 1974, uh, Harry Chapin's uh, signature song reached the top of the Billboard charts. Uh, He was a singer-songwriter, and he took this song from a poem written by his wife about an awkward relationship with his son, with a son and his father. The song starts this way. You may have heard it. My child arrived just the other day. He came to the world in the usual way. But there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away. And he was talking for I knew knew it. And as he grew, he'd say, I'm going to be like you, Dad. You know I'm going to be like you. My son turned 10 just the other day. He said, thanks for the ball, Dad. Come on, let's play. Can you teach me to throw? I said, not today. I got a lot to do, he said. That's okay. And he walked away, but his smile never dimmed. And he said, I'm going to be like him. Yeah, I know I'm going to be like him. This song is about a boy desperately wanting to spend time with his father, uh, but his father never seemed to make him a priority. And the father comes to this fearful conclusion at the end of the song. He says, the end of the song concludes this way. I've long since retired. My son's moved away. I called him up just the other day. I said, I'd like to see you if you don't mind. He said, I'd love to, Dad, if I could find the time. You see, my new job's a hassle and the kids have the flu, but it's sure nice talking to you, Dad. It's been sure nice talking to you. As I hung up the phone, it occurred to me. He'd grown up just like me. My boy was just like me. The Cats in the Cradle resonated with a generation, the American culture generation of the 1970s. But that same emphasis of that song has generated, resonated with a generation for, for decades. Uh, you can constantly hear that song or those themes repeated on popular television shows. Uh, when you ask Chapin, uh, the writer of that song, 
Uh, he admits that his, the song was often about his own relationship with his son, Josh. Uh, when asked directly about the song, he candidly replied, Frankly, this song scares me to death. And to be honest with you, the song scares me to death in many ways. Our children will often become like their parents. You never realize that when you're younger, but before you know it, you almost become like your parents. And fathers, our sons will become like us. Fathers, our task of teaching our children is one of the most important tasks in all of life. God has given us a tremendous responsibility in leading and loving our children. Sadly, most fathers either do not understand the importance of their role or abdicate it, leaving it to their wives. See, God has called men, fathers, to be the spiritual leaders of our homes. But for generations, men have not taken that call and have left it to somebody else. So my prayer today is regardless of what kind of father you are, whether that's a a father, a grandfather, a great-grandfather, or a great-great-grandfather, I pray that you'd be challenged to teach your children intentionally the way of the Lord. So this morning, we're going to look at three challenges from God's Word, from a father to a son. And I pray that fathers would, would respond like this father in the Scriptures to teach their children. So if you'd like to follow along, uh, you could take the back of your bulletin uh, and, and follow along with me. Uh, the first challenge this morning is fathers, teach your children the way of wisdom. Teach your children the way of wisdom. Look back with me in, in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. It says, Hear, O sons, a father's instructions, instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. Now, I just want you to see the intensity in which this father is speaking. He says, hear, O sons. There's a command there. There's an authority. Hear, be attentive. There's an intensity. There's a fervor. Now, most scholars believe that Solomon wrote the first half of the book of Proverbs. We, we learn from Proverbs 1.1 that says this, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. So we can see that Solomon is giving wisdom and instruction to his children. We are going to look specifically at what that instruction is in a second. But first, just notice that he's teaching. He's teaching his children. He understands his responsibility as a dad. His job was to teach. Now, in Jewish culture, there was something called the Shema, uh, which you you heard Robert Deaton read earlier, Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through uh, 9. That was known in Israel. Uh, It was was called the Shema. It was read, uh, probably recited in the morning and the evening. It was one of the first things that Jewish boys learned. So Solomon, growing up as a Jewish boy, learned the Shema. It says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words I command you today should be on your heart, fathers. And then you, fathers, should teach them to your children diligently and shall walk with them. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, 
and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. Fathers, we're called to live a life before our children to teach them the way of wisdom. When we sit down and when we get up, when we lay down, um, when we rise. They understood the importance of teaching their children. And beloved, can I just tell you, it's really important that we recapture that. Fathers, whatever stage of life you're in, teach your children. Women have been shouldering the burden of Christian instruction for decades. And I would just be honest that for we have, as, as fathers, often abdicated or stepped aside from our roles as spiritual leaders and have delegated that responsibility to our wives. And men, can I just be honest? They've shouldered the burden too long. It's time for men to step up and teach their children to be spiritual leaders in the home and in the church. We should want to pass on the knowledge and the instruction of the Lord to our kids. Now, I'm a strong believer that if you want to have a strong church, if you want to have a strong family, you reach the fathers. So I want to spend my time as a pastor and as a friend to pour my life into men to grow up godly spiritual leaders in the home and in the church. And you'll see world start to change. But I want you to know how important this call is, because this this calling of teaching is not just immediate. There's a long-term effect here. Look at verse 3. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me. So Solomon is bringing to remembrance what his father, King David, told him when he was a young child. Now think about that. The instruction that King David gave to his son was being passed on to his grandson and possibly could be passed on to his great-grandson. You know, if we think about the impact that fathers can have in their home, it is tremendous. Do you see how far that teaching goes? I want to think this way because my son is four. I have a young, young son. You have raised sons here. Uh, but for me, when I look at my son, I know that when I teach him, when I pour my life into him, I'm affecting my grandkids. By God, Lord willing. I'm affecting my great-grandchildren. It is far-reaching. The words will carry on, so we better be very careful and prioritize this teaching. Listen to this next section, what Solomon passes on from King David. Verse 4. He says, Let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget. And do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly. She will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place a a head of graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. So Solomon is encouraging a father to encourage his sons the benefit of wisdom. To pursue the way of wisdom, there is blessings there. Did, Did you hear him? It says, she will keep you. Wisdom personified. She will guard you. She will exalt you. She will honor you. She will place a a graceful garland on your head. She will give you a beautiful crown. The way of wisdom will bless our children. 
So what's the way we can bless our children the most? By teaching them the way of wisdom. But notice that these, these, this is not just a, this is a, a promise based on a condition. This is not just going to happen. We have, the son has to do something. So look at verse 6. The condition, do not forsake her. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will keep you. Condition, love her, and she will guard you. Verse 8, prize her highly. Condition, and she will exalt you. See, Solomon wants his sons to get wisdom. He wants them to be kept, to be guarded, to be exalted, to be honored. So Solomon prizes the pursuit of wisdom above all else. Now, in verse 7, this is probably one of the most important verses in the whole text. It says this in the ESV. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. I kind of like the way that the NIV translates it a little better. They translate it this way. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it cost you all you have, get understanding. The most important thing, the principal thing, as it says in the KJV, for King David and for Solomon, is that children get wisdom. The heart of God, who inspired this book, is that for children to get wisdom. So we are taught that wisdom should be prized above all else. It should be one of the highest pursuits of our lives as fathers and as Christians. But does that priority Is that a reflection of our parenting, of our fathering? So fathers, do you spend more time teaching your children to throw a baseball or a football than how to seek after wisdom? Do you spend more time complimenting on their grades or on encouraging them in their godly character? Grandparents, How do you brag about your kids? Do you talk about all their worldly achievements? My son's grades, my son's championships, my grandson's this or that? Or do you say they love God? They're growing in virtue and knowledge of the Lord. See, we can teach our kids to shoot a gun or hook a fish. All good things, amen? but they can never be placed above wisdom. Fathers are taught in our culture to sacrifice their time and their money for their children for worldly things, worldly achievements. But they will never have the same eternal impact of pursuing wisdom. The Apostle Paul was encouraging young Timothy, and he said, you know, um, physical training is of some value. Godliness is a value both in the present life and the life to come. I think we just need to take stock, dads. Uh, how, are we prizing wisdom above all else? Are we prizing wisdom above all else? But we don't want just to teach them wisdom the way the world does, because we're not of the world. We're in Christ. So listen to 1 Corinthians 1, chapter, chapter 1, verses 21 through 25. The Apostle Paul writes through the Holy Spirit, For since, in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach 
to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, the weakness of God is stronger than men. Jesus Christ is called the wisdom of God. We teach the wisdom of the cross, which is what? Folly to the world. We teach our children about Christ crucified and Christ risen for our hope. We teach our children that we are sinners and that God in His grace sent Christ to save us. Now, I know as your pastor, there are going to be times that I say things from the pulpit and in conversation or in a letter. When you read it or when you hear it, you'll think, that sounds like foolishness. I'm sure that's probably happened already. I've said something and you go, that sounds like absolute foolishness. Now, when that happens, ask yourself, why does it sound foolish? It may sound foolish because I'm saying what God has said in His Word and it's so contrary to what we know from our culture. It's so contrary even what we have been taught in our churches that it appears foolish. But we see right here in 1 Corinthians that the, the folly of what we preach, what pastors preach, God's Word, appears foolish. But this is the true wisdom of God. This is why I don't trust myself to get up here and give you a sermon outside of the Word. Because I don't want to teach you worldly wisdom. Because you don't need worldly wisdom. You need God's wisdom. Which may sound foolish, but fathers, we need to preach this folly, the message of the cross, if we want to see our children save and believe. So fathers, can I just encourage you this morning, teach your children the way of the cross. Teach your kids wisdom. The second thing we see I want to challenge you with this morning is fathers, teach your children the way of the wicked, which may sound contrary to what I just said. So we teach them the way of wisdom, but we also teach them the way of the wicked. In verse 10, read with me. It says, Hear, O my son, hear my sons, my son, accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. And if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. The first thing that Solomon says before he, he talks about what happens to the wicked, he says, I have taught you. I have led you. He was confident enough to know that he lived a life of godliness before his children. I heard a pastor say this week, before we can be good fathers, we have to be good sons. And not sons of our own father, earthly father, sons of God. When we grow in our relationship with God the Father, through Christ, in the power of the Spirit, we will become good fathers. Our children need good godly examples. Now, many of you may not have been raised by a faithful father who may not have walked in Christ. Many of you, even now, may not be walking the way you want to be walking as a father or grandfather. But can I just encourage you? There is still time. As long as there is air 
in your lungs, God can use your fatherly influence over your family. All we must do is we must repent, turn from how we've been living, and trust in God's grace of forgiveness. One thing I do whenever I mess up, I'm reminded of the Apostle Paul who says this. He says this, I'm not, a, I'm not perfect. I haven't obtained all this, but one thing I do is I forget what is behind, and I press on toward the call of God, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So when you mess up, dads, when you think, I just, I can't do it. I'm not, I'm not doing what God's called me to do. Do this. Forget what is behind and press on towards what is ahead. You may only have five years left of your life. You may have 15. You may have 20. We never know what time God gives us, but use every time to provide a legacy for your family that will reap eternal rewards. And we must hold fast because the devil's crouching at the door waiting to devour you. One of the schemes of the devil in this world is to attack fathers. Because if he removes fathers from the home, if he makes fathers fall into sin, who's affected? The the, the mothers, the, the children. We must be on guard, fathers, to guard our own souls. Sin is tempting. One of the ways that I think young people are often tempted, which we must teach them to avoid, is is, is choosing the wrong friends. Bad friends can corrupt good character. How many things do you regret in your own life uh, because you're trying to win the approval of friends? I have many. Uh, when I was thinking this week, I remember when I was 13 years old and uh, I was at my friend's house just hanging out and uh, uh, my friend brought out a beer. 13. Now, I've never thought of drinking a beer. I've never had a drink, never even thought of drinking one. But there I was with my two friends and a can of beer. And the first thought goes in my head, what will they think if I say no? And in that moment, instead of trying to please God and win His approval, I cared more about their approval, and I said, let me have a sip of that. And I started to walk in the path of the wicked, wanting their approval over God's. Listen to how Solomon says this in verse 14. Do not enter the path of the wicked. Do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it. Pass on. For they, the wicked, cannot sleep unless they do wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. And then listen to the contrast of the righteous, verse 18. But the path of the righteous is like the light of the dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. I think Solomon paints a very clear picture for us. The way of the wicked is deep darkness. You ever been outside in an area in the country when it's dark? It, it gets kind of scary, doesn't it? And what, if you start to walk outside at night without a flashlight, what's going to happen? You're going to stub your toe. You're going to fall because you don't even know what you're stumbling on because you can't see. That's the picture of the wicked. And he's instructing his children, this is how dangerous it is for you. 
my son, to walk in that path. It is dangerous and it is deadly. Don't go there. Don't go there. You see wisdom? You see how beautiful she is? Don't go after the way of the wicked. You will perish if you go that way. Now, the Bible says, is very clear, that the wicked will perish in their sin. That those who um, choose not to turn to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior will perish in their sin. The Bible speaks of two people. It speaks of people who are righteous and who are wicked. The people who are wicked are in their sin. They live in their sin. They rejoice in their sin. And then the righteous are not righteous in and of themselves, but they are righteous in Christ. They have turned from living for their sin, and they want to live for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Two people. Listen to what Psalm 68 says of the, of the wicked. God shall arise, his enemies shall be scattered, and those who hate him shall flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so shall you drive them away. As wax melts before fire, so the wicked shall perish before God. God promises to punish sinners, but he also promises to punish sin for you in Christ. All we have to do is turn, turn to God, and God will forgive your sins in Christ, all your sins. What a beautiful promise. We must teach our children to surround themselves with people who who want that, who want to pursue Christ. This is why I think the faith family in the church is so important, that we can develop relationships with people who encourage our walks with Christ. And then I think one way we do this is we just, we have to choose better friends. (laughs) Now, many of you have friends that you grew up with, and they're in this church. Amen? That you guys have, you guys believe in the gospel, you believe in Jesus, and you encourage one another. But I tell you what, I meet a lot of men in my life, and I'm always surprised when I ask them, do you have any close friends? And most of them just say, no, I don't. We need to be the kind of church to have deep, godly friendships. We need to lean on each other to help us live for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. This world is difficult. There's, all, there's temptation around every corner. We need people to encourage us to live for Jesus. So do we have the kind of friendships that keep us from sin or take us into sin? Because Jesus was a friend of tax collectors and sinners. We talked about that last week. But Jesus never went into their path. Jesus went in to be friends with sinners and tax collectors to do what? To pull them out into the path of the righteous. Now, we may not think that friendship is that important. We may not even think that having a sip of beer at the age of 13 is that important. But listen to what scholar C.S. Lewis writes in his book, The Screwtape Letters. He, He writes it from the perspective of an older demon to a younger demon. At one point in the book, he writes this. You will say that these are very small sins. And doubtless, like all young tempters, you are anxious to be able to report spectacular wickedness. But do remember... The only thing that matters is the extent to which you separate the man from God. It does not matter how small the sins are, provided that the cumulative effect is to keep a man away from the light. Murder is no better than cards. 
if cards can do the trick. Indeed, now hear me, indeed the safest road to hell is the gradual one. The gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. This is the way of wickedness. It is deep darkness. It is gradual. It is slow. But the destination is the same. The destination is not God, but deep darkness. But did you hear the difference of the righteous? The path of the righteous is like the light of the dawn. It gets brighter and brighter into the full day. We want to be people of the light. We need to teach our children, fathers, to run from wickedness and run into the light. And lastly, the third challenge that I have for you this morning. Uh, fathers, teach your children the way of life. Teach your children the way of life. Solomon ends in, with this exhortation in verse 20. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ears to my sayings. Let them not escape your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. I mean, Paul, I mean Solomon is just urging the same old thing. He says the same old thing again and again. Hold fast. Keep, keep listening. Hear my sons. Now, how many times have you had to repeat yourself as a parent? You've never repeated yourself as a parent? Right? you got to re- again and again and again. And the things that you repeat, the things you emphasize, are the things that are really, really important. We want them to get. Solomon's trying to drive home this fact. Get the way of life. Pursue wisdom. Then he says this in verse 22. For they are life to those who who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Now the heart of the Scriptures often refers to the whole person. Right? In the Old Testament, when they say heart, they're really trying to say the whole person. Well, Jesus uses the same thing in John chapter 7, verses 37 and 38. Listen to what Jesus says. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, quoting this verse, he says, Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as, as the, yet their spirit had not been given, because Jesus had, was not yet glorified. So believing in Jesus and his word is the way to protect our hearts, to guard our hearts. And after speaking of the heart here in, in Proverbs chapter 4, Solomon goes on to, to describe the mouth in verse 24. The eyes in verse 25, the feet in verse 26, to showing this comprehensive blessing of wisdom. Wisdom truly is the way of life. So fathers, beloved, men and women, I, I encourage you to fight for wisdom. It may cost you all you have, but get wisdom. This world is after your hearts, fathers. We must protect our hearts so that we are able to give wise instruction to our children. Pastor and author Vodi Bauckham uh, shares this story uh, in his book, Family Driven Faith. Let me read this and I'll close in prayer. 
talks about the story of his, of his high school football coach and the importance this man had in his life. He says, over the years, Coach and I have kept in contact. Every once in a while, I'd pick up the phone and catch up with the coach. Recently, I discovered that he had fallen on hard times. He had finally retired and didn't know what to do with himself. What's worse, his marriage of over 25 years had recently ended. At first, I wondered what could possibly have gone wrong. Then it dawned on me. I, see, we saw a committed coach who arrived very early in the morning. His wife saw a man who never was home when she got up in the morning. We saw him as committed. She saw him as overextended. We saw him as confident, who was always there for us. His children saw a man who was more of a father to strangers than he was to them. Now he spends his nights alone, missing the woman he spent a quarter of a century missing him. He sits at home reminiscing about the house he was so committed to that he drove an hour to work every day rather than moving. He yearns for time with his kids, but that time is scarce because they are busy doing what he didn't, spending time with their families. His days are spent with his elderly father and occasionally has a chance to watch his grandkids play ball games, something I'm sure he wish he did with more of his own children. Every once in a while, someone from the past calls and asks, How's it going, coach? A few minutes later, the reminiscing is over, the voice from the past is gone, and the coach is alone with his memories. And all he has now is a few trophies, a couple of pictures, and some patches on an old, faded jacket. I cried when I got off the phone that night. All the pictures came together, and I finally saw the truth that had been there all along. This man, who had meant the world to me, had sacrificed his family on the altar of his career, and I was oblivious to it. I considered it normal, even admirable. Suddenly, all these years later, I went from admiring the coach to feeling sorry for him. I saw the trade-off, and it wasn't worth it. The occasional thanks of strangers will never dull the pain of years missed with your family. Needless to say, when I got off the phone with the coach, I spent some time with my kids. It turns out coach still had lessons to learn. Uh, beloved, we all have lessons to learn, don't we? They're all areas that we need to grow. And fathers, we have an incredible task, an incredible task of shepherding and teaching our children. But can I just encourage you that God has given you the tools to accomplish that task. He's given you his spirit, he's given you his word, and he's given you each other. Let's lean on each other and teach our children the way of, uh, the way of wisdom helping our kids avoid the deep darkness. Oh, fathers, I just pray that we will teach our children. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you love fathers, God. You love us so much that you allow us to, to hold a part of your name, that you are called our father, and yet we are called fathers. God, you are so good and kind to us. Father, I pray for the men in this room. I pray that they would be encouraged and challenged, that they will not go into despair, but they would be encouraged in heart and in mind uh, to teach their children, to use whatever time that you've given them with their kids to teach them the way of life and the way of wisdom. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.